It is a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon, the 1st of 2024. So a very happy new year to the grounds crew from Adam and I on the walk-off. Honestly, it was another really fun year here on the walk-off. 2023 was most excellent. We had some guests that uh, we had no business having on the show. Uh, Adam now matching my background with his own. I love it. We are both. Uh, Only one of us are on a tropical vacation. <laughs> yeah. But you in the comments have to guess which one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's really on the beach? You'll Who's never re- figure it out. You're giving uh, it away there. Moving yeah. your shoulder. Right. Honestly, uh, from the bottom of our heart, though, a very happy new year to all of you. Uh, thank you again for all the patronage. If you are watching this right now and you are not currently subscribing to the channel, well, Help us out. We're pushing 5,000 subscribers. We're moving up every single day. So we're about 200 off right now from hitting that milestone mark. So help us get there. Hit the like button. We'll get right into it. Every single week, we comb over your interaction. Adam's throat is down and out, but he's here. He's, He's being a trooper. He's pushing it through. So I will read the questions this time. And uh, we will go from there. You can always reach out on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast, on Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast, Patreon. You get that automatic Patreon bump if you are a member and supporting the channel that way. We make sure to answer your questions and comments on the Patreon, uh, or sorry, on the mailbag. And then, last but not least, the Discord is a Patreon exclusive, but we do comb through there and grab your interactions and comments from there as well. And on that, let's get into it. So we'll start with Twitter, okay? Uh, This was from Jasmine. She reached out last night. She says, hey, Scott and Adam, happy new year to you guys. I'm so down on where the Jays are at right now. Just seems like they refuse to add anyone significant. And even if they decide to, it seems like rebuilding is going to take a long time because their farm system sucks. Can either of you put a positive spin on the Jays for the new year? Adam, some positivity. And you are the king of toxic positivity, right. so we'll throw to you first here. Right. <laughs> um, there is almost no way that Vladdy is as bad as he was last year. I think that's, for me, like the cornerstone of my optimism heading into this season. Is is that last season we still went to the playoffs without Alec Manoa, who was mm-hmm. one of our best players the year before, and with a shadow of who Vladdy can be. So I'm not saying he needs to return to, you know, runner up MVP form, but there's a massive window for him to take a couple steps forward and and have that be a massive difference in in the results for this This team. team needs power so bad and that was one thing that really hurt watching Vlad decline last year like he did is he still led this team in home runs with 26 like go through the amount of teams with out a 30 home run hitter i think the blue jays were the only one i i should have double checked but i think the blue jays were the only ones who made the playoffs without a 30 home run hitter on their team Crazy. and if you want a, a positive spin then yeah i think vladdy he doesn't even need to rebound like adam said 2021 my god give us what he had in 2022 and i think we'll take that gladly Uh, Another positive spin on this is Baseball America just released their top ranked pitching organizations when it comes to the farm system. Now, yes, I know that overall the Toronto Blue Jays just ranked in at number 21 out of 30 teams for where their farm system sits. Pitching wise, the Blue Jays rank sixth behind only the Rays, Dodgers, Yankees and Orioles and the Mets. So, the pitching lab is working. Ricky Tiedemann on the verge of making his major league debut. I know that the the naysayers, the negative Nancys out there will bring up Nate Pearson and talk about how prospects are never a sure thing. Obviously, that's true. However, Ricky's a top 20 prospect at this point in Baseball America's list. 
He's a lefty who throws 99 and he's 20 years old. People constantly bring up his injuries. The only time he's been injured was last year. He missed a few months because of some tightness in his arm. They gave him the rest he needed. They built his innings up in the lab. They gave him some time in the Arizona Fall League. And fingers crossed, we're going to have a top-end pitching prospect knocking on the door. Now, one more positive I'll bring up here is, however you want to spin this, the Blue Jays' starting rotation is still nails. Okay? Can we expect to see Kikuchi decline a little from his career year? Yeah, maybe. Can we expect to see Jose Barrios decline a little from last year after totally recovering from a stinker in 2022? Yeah, that's possible. I think it's safe to say Kevin Gosman's going to be who he is. Chris Bassett may decline a little bit, but the truth is there is so much possibilities on Alec Manoa recovering to even being a four ERA guy who logs 160 innings. That's not that insane. Those are pretty tempered expectations. And I think we need to see another stinker year out of Alec Manoa before he's actually a reclamation project. We've watched how much value starting pitching has. We just watched Lucas Giolito get signed by the Red Sox for $38 million for two years. So if the Blue Jays front office doesn't get an offer they want for Alec Manoa, and I, I think it's pretty well known that they are shopping him right now. But if they don't get what they want for him, they're not moving him. And I think to watch him recover a little bit from last year is a really safe bet. Anything to add there, Adam? No, I think you summed it up pretty well. And if you want to take another positive of it all, um, we watched friend of the show, Chad Dallas, move up the pitching prospect ranks. Uh, Connor Cook as well. They're both going to probably be starting in AAA. And I I think this is why the Jays pitching ranking has moved up so much in Baseball America's eyes is because they have some real legitimate dudes who could make their debut in 2024. And Stem Robursa and Adam Klofenstein, who were two of the top pitching prospects in this system, were traded at the deadline for Jordan Hicks. So they even depleted the cupboards a little bit and still look pretty good. We'll leave it at that. We'll move on here to Johnny... He texted, uh, or sorry, he messaged us over Twitter. Hey, boys, I wonder about your thoughts on this sign. Justin Turner, get him for one to two years to play third base. Sign Martinez to a one to two year deal for DH. Sign Bellinger to outfield, spelling weaker bats. Uh, on bad matchups, rest days, thus getting plenty of games in. Trade Espinal for starting pitching depth. I think the postseason is happening then and not a failure at that point. How would you feel about them going after Justin Turner as a stopgap at third base, 38 years old, guy with some real experience? We just saw what uh, Evan Longoria did. In his twilight years, going on a run with the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. um, I don't hate the Justin Turner to third base option, uh, a, a stopgap year it would fit. It wouldn't be wouldn't be exciting, but it would be better than some options for sure. I think this is mm-hmm. a super ambitious fantasy. All of these. It's a lot of free agency. To get all of these. Uh, J.D. Martinez Uh, to DH and Cody Bellinger to outfield and trade Espinal for starting pitching depth. That's where we, I think, really fall into, like, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We're off to Narnia with this one. Yeah. uh, I I just don't think Espinal has the kind of value that a lot of Blue Jays fans think he does. Like... What did he play? 70 games last year, 90 games last year as a, I know he was an all-star two seasons before, but like, I just, he could be a part of a package. Honestly, Adam, the signing of Isaiah Kiner-Falafa kind of backs up what you're saying, because I don't know if the Blue Jays truly believe in Santiago Espinal right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, I mean, I'm not anti Espinal. 
necessarily. But I, yeah, I do think that we saw that he had a rough year last year. going to see sure. out of him two years ago. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I don't. I just. I don't know what we would get that would actually be starting pitching depth for just Espinal, other than Espinal plus. Like, we're throwing in extra prospects. And I know they don't have to be too high, but Espinal feels a like a piece of a trade that also includes Manoa or that also includes Kikuchi or something it's like that. Where it's like an extra, yes. Yeah, where he's he's the throw-in guy on. He keeps a, moving that needle a little bit closer to get them there. Type yeah, idea. he's the yeah. sweetener. He's not the coffee itself, you know. Exactly, and that's a go. great Got way of putting it. And I mean, but you look at you look at what uh, Johnny is saying here, and any one of those pieces on their own, I think work really well with dependent on what direction the Jays front office decides to take with this team, right? Like let's say they wind up spending their money on a Cody Bellinger. I think Justin Turner paired with that does make a lot of sense, right? You, you spend your wad on your outfield. Yes. There's still a, a hole at third base, maybe Justin Turner for $10 million to play the hot corner. Well, Aralvis Martinez or uh, Davis Schneider or Addison Barger, gets another year and by the way speaking of addison barger i read a really interesting report on the fact that he's getting a lot of right field reps and that the blue jays kind of view him more as a right fielder right now which doesn't necessarily change your thinking at all when you're looking at a guy like justin turner except that yeah Maybe Aralvis Martinez or maybe Davis Schneider is going to be given a legitimate chance to take that job. You know, if you bring in a guy like Turner on a one-year deal where, yeah, you know he can play some third base and play it well. He's 38 years old and he's on his way out of the league, right? So that is going to give you an opportunity to maybe get Aralvis in there, get him some, some reps. You know, like this is the thing with where the Jays are at and filling third base internally is – there's not an obvious heir apparent. You know, like there's not somebody where they're like, okay, Damiano Parmigiani is killing it so much. Let's give him some leeway. Let's give him April to see how he does. There's nobody doing that yet. And I mean, yes, Damiano Parmigiani, uh, Aralvis Martinez, these are guys that might push their way onto this. And so that's where Justin Turner as a stopgap works really well. JD Martinez, I think, would be excellent fit on this team but that's the thing with these guys are talking about right it's another brandon belt it's another roll of the dice where you're like do these old guys still have it are there are their knees gonna give out like every time catches up with everybody and jd martinez and justin turner have avoided father time for a few years now so it does make me nervous to go all in on that much age well <clears throat> yeah, it's uh Yeah, I don't know. If it's a if one year deals for those guys though, like Yeah. Uh even this if it's is like a, a one year deal, hold on. If it's a one year deal for like a Justin Turner or a Jacques Peterson, and by June we're like, oh, these guys are hitting one ninety five and slugging under 500 like whatever they're just they're hitting badly even if it's a 10 million 12 million dollar deal like you can just walk away from those right like you could just cut bait if it's a one-year deal and go ah we tried it didn't work bring up or elvis right or elvis Mm -hmm. is really thumping in triple a let's bring him up and uh, i i don't know i'm i'm not afraid of of trying age ever on a one-year deal even if it's two of them um it's the springer deals that that start to scare a guy, right? Or like, or going long-term with a Cody Bellinger and being like, well, what are the last five years of that look like? Or, you know, are the first five going to justify the last five? Because that's always the the thing, right? Like even George Springer's contract, even when we signed him, you know, six-year deal, we, you knew going into it, the last two or three were going to be kind of stinkers, you know, like maybe, yeah. may, maybe he's still good, but you, you kind of knew probably the last couple are going to be painful and you just hope going into it, that the first few 
you don't care because you're like, well, he's yeah, he's kind of old out there. But look at those glittering World Series rings he's wearing on his hand. It's, so it's OK. But we never got those. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's the trouble. But yeah, on a one year deal. I don't I wouldn't even want to go two years with Jacques Peterson or or Justin Turner. We have enough young kids that are close and are knocking on the door. Right. Yes. Um, the guys like Davis Schneider. Those are uh, fun, unexpected. That's when you put on an old coat and you find $20 in the pocket and you're like, oh, yes, sweet. First couple of drinks are free tonight. That's what David Schneider is. Um, whereas Elvis Martinez, um, you know, guys like that are like the lottery tickets that you're like, you're listening to the numbers be read out on TV and you're like, oh, I'm four for four so far. I just need yeah. these last two to match and we're laughing. And that's kind of where we're at with Elvis, I think, is like, so far so good in his development he still has you know needs the next couple things to go right in his development but so so far so good um am i am i off base with this you're not off base at all in fact i wanted to circle back on something you brought up about cody bellinger and just the fact that the the springer type deals is the one that do make you nervous and i'm not saying that i have a source because i don't but i do have uh buddies who say they have sources you know and basically where the league seems to be at on Cody Bellinger is nobody wants to jump in on a 7 year deal so Scott Boris is really pushing for 7 or 8 and the rumors are and the Jays are in the same boat as everyone else but the rumors that I've heard is that everyone wants 4 to 5 years with Cody Bellinger and yeah. they're prepared to go the 125, mm-hmm. the 140 for that, yeah. but they don't want to do 200 over seven. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what's holding this up right now is that the years don't align between the Boris Corporation and the rest of the organizations out there. I think that that's the case with a, a numerous free agents right now. And so this may be why we watch the Blue Jays have a huge January is because they're waiting. I've also heard that maybe there's some big time trades coming and it makes all this is the thing, right? If you look at the Blue Jays window, we're all well aware. Bo, Vlad, free agents 2025. This year feels like do or die, right? Mm-hmm. Like Adam, am I off base here? Like 2024 feels like shit or get off the pot, right? Like, yeah, well, it, it definitely feels like, I mean, regardless of playoff success, we need individual success from those guys. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else around them, like, is, is important, right? Um, getting healthy seasons out of our starting pitchers, getting more power out of Dalton Varsho, you know, like these things, having Kirk yes. in form, for the whole season and not having another kid this March yes. are, are all going to be value, <laughs> yeah. valuable to us. Right. But if Vlad has another season, that is, I was just reading on a sports net article. They were showing his OPS for his career and how the uh, spike in 2021 is, uh, you know, a tough pill to swallow, but it is the outlier season until he proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, yeah, that's the one-off. These aren't like bad seasons from a superstar first ballot Hall of Famer. That it's a superstar season from, from a, a guy who is above average. Above average. Yes. 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 Right. So the same way we talk about Espinal being a, for lack of a better word, a bum. Right. A four A, like a you know he's better than triple A, not quite a major leaguer who had a great stretch of games and was an all-star that season, right? It's kind of like that equivalent of what for what Vladdy's done, unfortunately, right? But at a much higher level, of course. Uh, but this happens to players all the time, right? They have that one awesome oh, season. Oh, truly. Um, so for Vlad, this is I think Vlad's season is going to be one of the biggest... Uh, ingredients in this cake unfortunately of what the future looks like because if he can show that 2021 is who he actually is 
and he's just been struggling for a couple of years, that sets the team in a different direction than if he has another slightly above average all-star-ish season, right? Like, Because I, I don't yeah. think they could offer him a $300 million contract if he's just an all-star. I mean, he's a first baseman, dude. I know we keep uh, – Joel and I had a really great talk um, on Saturday. Because I love, I love Vladdy. Before we get into this, I am pro yeah. – I'm rooting for Vladdy to be – Of course. A superstar. So continue. Sorry. Me too. And I know one thing that Joel brought up was how quickly in a – you know, rebuilding style, you know, we're talking 2020, 2021, how quickly he was moved to first base, right? Uh-huh. Like, we we watched him basically the first time the Jays made the playoffs, playing third base in 2020, and then he got moved in 2021. Yeah. So, Joel's plan was to move Vladdy back to third. He thinks that that really solves a lot of problems. Vladdy's got a big arm. Honestly, though, dude, I was looking at his defensive metrics at first base, and they were so ugly last year. It scares the shit out of me moving Vladimir Guerrero Jr. back to third base. I don't know if that is the solution. I will give Joel credit, though, because that is some really uh, good Outside the box thinking, especially if you're going to go out and spend big money on Cody Bellinger, who does play some first base, it gives you versatility around that infield. It allows you to have basically three center fielders because if the Blue Jays went out and got Bellinger, you're sitting with KK, you're sitting with Dalton, you're sitting with Bellinger, all three of them. They might be the one, two, three best center fielders in all of baseball. So you're kind of in an embarrassment of riches there, but it would be nice to take one of those bats and put it at first base. So it does solve that problem. But honestly, I just, I just, and grounds crew set me straight if you want. Okay. Do you think Vladdy defensively has it in him at 25 years old to shift back to third base? The idea scares the shit out of me. I'll be honest. Where are you at, Adam? Do you, do you like remember too, that he's three years removed from playing third regularly? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that the work that he put in to improve at first base initially mm-hmm. wasn't was impressive and worth noting. Yes, it was. He did yes. become a Gold Glove first baseman, uh, and I think rightfully so. I think he really put in the work to learn that mm-hmm. position and to get good at it. So, tip of the cap to him there. So, do I have confidence that he could, if you know? if the stars work out and and that was the move that they made. And I don't think that that's likely as much as we might want it. I don't think that's likely, but do I think he could learn third base again or relearn it? Um, Yeah. I think that the work ethic would be there and I think he would rise to the challenge of it. Um, The defensive metrics being down last year at first base um, I'm not familiar with uh, those advanced metrics, but I would have to assume a lot of it would be measuring the weight of his, like, uh, receiving the ball ability via it's, throws. It's his via range. Hits. His range, dude, sucks. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest thing I think for Joel's argument of having him play third as opposed to first is the arm is there. We, I don't think anything in his defensive metrics and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he was making any throwing errors when he was scooping up a ball and throwing it to second or, Mm -hmm. or anything right from first base. So that even if the defensive metrics were down last year, I have no reason to believe his arm strength has slipped or his accuracy on any of his throws would be an issue. Right? So, so that I'm okay with. Also, here's an argument, if if that's the case. And again, I'm unfamiliar with these defensive metrics. Um, but you mentioned that range was what was killing him on these defensive mm-hmm. metrics. If he was playing third and didn't have to also worry about, I got to get back to first if there's a throw, right? Like every yeah. single time the ball is in play, Vladdy is thinking, I got to get to first, right? Wherever he plays, maybe he can't take that initial like, 
step towards a ball that's hit towards the second baseman because in the back of his mind, he's thinking, oh, I got to get back to first, right? So maybe there's a little bit of gun shyness on the trigger to pursue that sort of stuff where, I mean, other first basemen are are doing it, are doing it better. Apparently, like if, if his relative to the league is low, um, I just mean that that would maybe be something that is less of an issue if he's playing at third and doesn't have to worry about getting to third. Maybe he's just mm-hmm. go get ball, you know, like maybe he can just eliminate yeah. that piece of the analysis paralysis that m- might be what is causing his defensive metrics to slip in terms the of idea, range. Same idea of giving Kikuchi too much time to think about it on the mound and that the pitch clock allowed him to just go, go. Exactly. Where you just put Vlad at third and you just go natural instincts. If the ball is hit towards the left side of the field, you're just going for it, right? You're either getting to it or you're not quite. And, and hopefully it's uh, something Bo can get right. But you don't ever have to go, Oh, first step has to be towards first base because if it's hit to Espinal, I got to be at first. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe, so that's, again, that's the toxic positivity side of looking at it of like, could he do third base? Like, could he be Raphael Devers at third? Like, Devers was horrible at third base, and Boston let him just figure it out. Yeah. Because they knew they were in that kind of, like, not necessarily a rebuild, but they were in that phase of, like, let's let our star young third baseman become defensively proficient. Very similar to what the Jays did with Bo. I mean, let's be serious, man. They could have moved Bo half a dozen times over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Okay. So we just spent the last five minutes justifying could Vlad play third base this year. And I, I think we both are in the camp that he could. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I want that, but I, I do think he could. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So if, if the other signings that were possible, Right. If we let's just say Ross Atkins tried everything he could to get a third baseman and to get whatever pieces, but the only pieces he was able to sign left us with a hole at third base and an abundance of DH first baseman, whatever. Right. Would you rather see him at third base or Kevin Kiermeyer at third base or, or whatever? Right. Like if that was just the only way you could yeah. manipulate the lineup to make it happen, sure. But I don't think it's likely, even if Vlad went to them this offseason, it was like, I want to go back to third. Like That's my thing. Yeah. I, I think if he had not had these last two stinker offensive seasons, they'd be more willing to try it. Yeah. But I, I just think, ah, oh man, it's, do you want to add more to his workload and his, like when he's trying to fix his swing, when he's trying to whatever, to be like, also, we want you to learn a new position. Like, you know, I'd rather a 45 home run Vlad at first base than a 31 home run Vlad at third base. Yeah. So No, I'm with you, especially with how bad this team needs power. Uh, speaking of that, perfect transition for this next question. Discord was all in a buzz earlier last night. Um Earlier during the day yesterday, I should say, when the rumors surfaced that the Blue Jays, Ben Nicholson-Smith, friend of the show, of course, let everyone know that uh, Jock Peterson is in play. He is on the Blue Jays' radar, somebody that they have checked in with. So Discord was all abuzz about that. Lucan chimed in and said, wouldn't be a bad signing. Much prefer to have a lefty DH in that spot, which is Jock Peterson. Hard to say if he'd do better than Brandon Belt, though. Higher ceiling, much lower floor, and he really did nail it with that comment on Brandon Belt because I think, I mean, I don't think, just look at his numbers. Brandon Belt was about as big a success with this Blue Jays team last year as he could have been, minus maybe lacking a little bit of power in the first few months of the season. And I think it was pretty apparent watching those first few months of the season that the Blue Jays do darn well. It was going to take time for Brandon to get out of injury mode and back into where he was in 2021. And 
some pretty good player development and scouting there. Cause honestly, the, the last few uh, months of Brandon belt outside of those injury stints, he was the best hitter in the, in, in the lineup. <laughs> so yep, to go out and get Jock Peterson, you're pretty much crossing your fingers and hoping he is Brandon belt. Right. Does like, does Peterson have more home run power? Like I should have well, looked this up. Um, Jock Peterson in my head is more of a power hitter than I think he really is. Um, yes. He's only he hit, puts up huge he, numbers in the playoffs. <laughs> he's only hit 30 home runs once in his career. That was in 2019. He hit 36 home runs. Other than that, uh, he hit 26 in his first full season in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Sixth in rookie of the year votes. Otherwise, a couple of seasons of 25. And that's about it. Uh, even yeah. the OPS plus. It's like half of his seasons are under 100. 83, 95, 92, 98, 96. The other half. He's pretty much only slightly guy. above. Yeah. Like yeah. He, most of his, his good seasons, 126, 126, 125, 113, 111. Uh, two years ago was his career high in OPS plus at 146. Um, but he did that seemingly on the bat of a increased uh, batting average and on base percentage, not necessarily from the power. So yeah. the slugging wasn't his career high, um, but batting average and OPS or on base percentage was. So now Jock does hit lefties, by the way, he does, he, he, he does um, line up. Well, if you want to play that splits game, right. Where maybe yep. Davis Schneider is, uh, you know, and Jock is getting some DH time and Davis is getting some DH time and your George is getting some DH, you know, like maybe, maybe Jock and George or I, you know, like I, it's not perfect. Yeah. I think I'd it's... rather a JD Martinez personally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how old's JD Martinez? Jock Peterson, 31. Um, JD Martinez is 37, I think. Okay. Yeah, double check there for me. Thanks, buddy. Um, JD Martinez. I know Justin Turner's thirty-eight. JD Martinez thirty-six. I gotta go run check my dog. 36. I just heard something in the kitchen crash. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're looking at the Blue Jays investing in one of those older guys, and I, I know Jock Peterson's thirty-one. He's probably the youngest of the bunch. Jock Peterson still very much fits into the same category, in my opinion, as J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner. I know that uh, Jock is a a lefty bat. So, again, his power numbers aren't really what you would hope they would be. The Jays need power so bad, and I, I hate to keep going back to Jorge Soler but man, he seems like the perfect power fit. Like if you're going to have a guy who plays offense or uh, sorry, who plays bad defense in the outfield, which Sorlair is a nightmare in the outfield, by the way. But if you can slot him into, let's say the DH spot, the majority of the time, and then get George off his feet here and there and put him in the right time and time from time to time. I, I, I really think you're going to get those 30 dingers. From a, a Solaire, I don't think you're going to cobble your way to the power we need with a Jock Peterson type. I, I mean, what the hell do I know? But Peterson doesn't excite me. Let me know, Grand Screw. What do you think? Uh, so I was just listening to you talk about Jorge Solaire. Um, I just... I know. Even he's a roll of the dice if his power is going to show or not. Like 2019... For the Royals, he hit 49, 48 home runs. Yeah. Uh, that led the American League. Last season, 36 home runs. Mm-hmm. Those are his only two seasons with more than 30 home runs. Yeah. Uh, leading into last season, the home run totals look like this. Um, 27, 13, 36. So, yeah, it's just... I don't Some know. injury Before... time, by the way, on the year with 13. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. 72 games played. Yeah. But just to, just to be fair, just to be fair. Okay. To be fair, but looks like quite a bit of injury time gets missed for him. Um, yeah. He's only played more than a hundred games four times in his 10 year career. Hundred and two of those. He hit bombs. Yeah. Yeah. So he hit <laughs> 101 in 2015, 162 in 2019, 2021, he had 149 games, and last year, 137. So even when he's there, he's missing time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it feels like a worse version of George Springer with more power potential. I guess yes. like the, the ceiling for power is there, but I don't know, man. It's I don't, I think I'm talking myself out of Solaire. He's going to be 32 next year. Mm-hmm. What kind of contract do we got to give a guy who probably four years. That's the problem with Jorge, Jorge Soler. And I think it's why he hasn't Ugh. signed yet. It's these guys want term man. And I, I understand I, that right now it's a it's a definitely a bad offensive free agent class so if you're a guy who's got some some upside you're going to want to sign on as long as you can we're watching it with Cody Bellinger and of course Jorge Soler guaranteed is in the same boat where if he was prepared to sign a 2 year deal he'd already have it right yeah i just i th- i think the existence of George Springer prevents us from going and getting another guy like Soler like I just think they're too. If we got to have a four-year deal to a guy that we're also going to have to manage workload, or accept the fact yeah. that he's probably going to not be there for half the games. If we didn't already have George Springer, I'd be more interested in in Solar. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, because you can manage a couple potholes in the road, but at a certain point, it's just like we're really threading a needle, hoping that. You know, time at DH. You know, what, and, you know what would really save this season, Adam, is if George Springer, at 34 years old, finds his power swing and cheats a little more, puts up more strikeouts, but hits 35 dingers. Because, my God, all these guys we keep bringing up, like, that could just be George Springer, right? Like, yeah, we could go out and sign JD Martinez, but if George Springer can figure it out, man, like, anyways, yeah. I'm yeah. getting more um, negative as we're getting into this. <laughs> all right, uh, here's one more negative for you. Um, as we were talking at the start of the show, Santiago Espinal, I think he's done with the Jays. I don't think he's. I think he's not on the roster on April first. Yeah. No, I get that feeling too. I get he's that in, feeling too. I he's think he's in that his Arbiers. It yeah. looks like he's going to cost like three million bucks. And I just think Davis Schneider for league minimum, or is that Santiago guy? Espinal for? It's yeah. like I've I've seen Davis Schneider enough of him to know. Yeah, he could be Espinal for a fraction of the price. So yeah. I just I've seen what I've seen from Espinal too. And I just, I just I think, think the upside of the bat with Schneider too is so much higher than like Espinal is what he is, right? Schneider, Schneider, we still don't really know what he is. Right. So if you if you've got it, I think the floor for Schneider is. Oh, I left my dog outside, and I can hear my wife stomping out of bed to go get him from Uh-oh. outside because he's barking, sorry, buddy. So. That's right. I was about to go get him that later. <laughs> oh, am I ever? Oh, I'd be so good to you. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, uh, David Schneider, I think the floor for David Schneider is not any worse than the floor for Santiago Espinal. If anything, yeah, the floor is better. And yeah. like you said, the upside is a little bit of a question mark still. I don't think he's going to have the same home run pace that he had in the small sample size last year. Oh, but, you don't think he's going to hit 50 home runs? Yeah. <laughs> no, but could he be a 25 to 30 home run guy if he was playing every day that's not a crazy possibility like it's one of the possible outcomes listed on that mystery bag that you're grabbing right so yeah whereas i don't think that's ever in the cards for espinal like i never i never see him come to the we saw his peak we saw his peak in 2022 right 
So when you combine that with the fact that he is 29, he's in his ARB years where he's getting, I mean, we'll see what the ARP number actually comes out to be, but something around 3 million, or you can have David Schneider with the same floor, essentially plays the same position, but maybe there's power. Like, I just yeah. don't know how you would justify keeping Espinal over no. Schneider. Like, Especially with IKF now in the fold. It's just like a really weird signing to also have Santiago Espinal as a Blue Jay. Yeah. Okay, we're getting long in the teeth. Let's get to these Patreon questions here. This one is from Wyatt. He says, Jays fans just want a store-bought cake, and I hate waiting <laughs> for a better-tasting cake at home uh, for – Oh, sorry. I screwed that up bad. Jays fans just want a store-bought cake and hate waiting for a better-tasting homemade one to bake. Drives me nuts. So, obviously, this is your metaphor, Adam. You love talking about baking cakes. And, honestly, why it is correct in this scenario, we're sitting here January 2nd, and there are a lot of needs still to be filled on this team. I think judging this organization where they're at right now is kind of silly. Obviously, we got to let the cake bake and see where things land. There's a lot of reasons to be negative if this is how the team looks April 1st. I think that if they go into 2024 looking like they do right now, they are a worse team than they were in 2023 and that is not good Mm -hmm. but there's lots of time left it's been a slow moving off season yes the yankees did a little bit of heavy lifting getting on soda the yankees still aren't a finished product the red Sox have made some moves but the red Sox seem like they're doing this weird dance with their budget so like they went out and signed lucas giolito and then they traded chris sale and it's it's been interesting to watch what the Red Sox are doing. Uh, the Orioles have done pretty much nothing. Their starting pitching is still a question mark. The Rays. I don't know. There's a lot to happen still in the AL East. Like, there's a lot of signings and trades still to be made in baseball in general. Should be an interesting January. Sure made for a boring as fuck December, though. Yeah, no kidding. Um. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, buddy. I was, I was just going to move say, on. You, um, you, you talked about the IKF signing with Joel on Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Catch me up. How do you feel about that? Is he an everyday player for the like? Is he our full time second baseman no. this season, or is he no. like a Whit Merrifield role, or what? Where does he fit? I viewed him far more as a Santiago Espinal role, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, utility guy. He plays third base very well, so he does have that defensive ability to be the stop gap if they're going to try and fill that hole internally. I honestly believe the Jays are still heavily in talks with Matt Chapman. I think Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger are in the same position where everyone is like, yeah, you're great players. Mm-hmm. There's no way we're signing you to eight fucking years. Yeah. Right? Like, so I think Bellinger and Chapman, we're going to need to wait and see if the market drops out on them because they're not going to sit out the year. So these guys are going to sign and it, they might need to just deal with the fact that there's only four year deals available to them. And if you're looking at Matt Chapman, 80 million, Four years, I bring him back to the Jays. I know his offense sucked so bad last year, and it was just brutal watching him strike out on dead center fastballs. But a four-war player who's a sound defensively at the hot corner is Matt Chapman. Don't come around every day. That's a tough production to replicate and to fill. We, okay, we so got, when it comes, on, go ahead. I was just gonna say when it comes to IKF, I. I think his playing time is really going to depend on what happens at third base for the Jays. Okay. And at third base with Matt Chapman, we talked about giving just Justin Turner a one year deal as a stopgap. Would you mm-hmm. overpay for a Matt Chapman? hundred percent. 
about a one year deal. For one like, year? Yeah. Like yeah. if if the market twenty eight million? Yeah, we're spe- okay, so we're speculating if the market is twenty million a year for four years, an eighty million dollar deal. And the Jays sweep in and are like, hey, we'll give you one more chance to just try and extend what you did in April and try and prolong it over more of the season. And But do you think Matt Chapman would take that? Would he take the, or would he bet on himself? Would he take the $80 million in hand or one year at 25 I don't know. Million? Honestly, I think Matt Chapman is still probably dealing with the disappointment and the reality that his $200 million guaranteed that Scott Boris was promising April 30th is not even close (laughs) to what is being offered right now. So, you know, if you're being told $200 million and your only offer is four years, 77 mil, uh, maybe, maybe you do be like, listen, pay me $26 million. That's more than the qualifying offer. It saves you your draft pick. We roll it back and maybe I can get my big deal next year. Like, Matt Chapman's only 29. He turns 30 this year. So, like, you know, we'll see. Um, next By the year, way, it would be the most... Sorry, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, next year's free agent class for third base might be a reason he wants to sign something long now, though. It's not, like, yeah. stacked, but it's not as shallow as it is this year. Alex Bregman. Bregman. Yeah. Juan Mancada, uh, Eugenio Suarez. So there are some guys, Nick Senzel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know what is going to happen with Matt Chapman. I would be. Me neither. There's such a wide list of outcomes and they all seem just as unlikely. (laughs) I have no idea. I, I agree, man. I agree. And you know, what's really interesting is that if the Jays do decide to go this route and bring Matt Chapman back on an expensive one year deal, like the fan base may have uh, to really rinse their mouth out because everyone will have just a, a little bit of throw up in there, you know, a little, little bit of puke. Mm-hmm. Just like it's it's about the least sexy thing that could happen. That said, it literally might be the best solution for the third base problem the Jays are in right now. I don't know, man. Like I was so sick of seeing Mad Chapman freaking swinging that bat and missing know. balls, but. That said, dude, his defense, like, I know it's the least sexy part of the game, but my God, <laughs> he was definitely uh, a stalwart at third in his two years with the Jays. Everybody All right. craps on defense so hard, though, like, because we made the push for defense in the outfield yeah. last year and all this stuff. But, like, I just don't think that we're having the same topic of conversation if Flatty hit 40 home runs. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, I think I if Vladdy's hitting 40 and, like, we had maybe one extra bat in the lineup, I just think everybody's like, oh, our defense is great. I think people are excited about how awesome our defense is. Dude, listen to this, okay? So, George Springer in 2021 hit 24 home runs. And, or sorry, uh, it was I think it was 19. It was just under 20, but he only played, like, half the year. Um, Bo Bichette hit 29 home runs that year. Vladimir Guerrero hit 48. Marcus Simeon hit 46. Teoscar Hernandez hit 26. Like, there was just so many bombs being hit. Mm-hmm. And then when you go and, and make a shift like they did in 2023 to defense and then get zero offense, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all a little gun-shy. Fuck, I'm gun-shy, and I'm trying to be as reasonable and as logical as possible here, but, like, it does scare me to run back the defense and pitching and hope for better outcomes. Even if you look at the numbers and you're like, yeah, most of these guys, even if they just rebound to their career numbers, were probably mm-hmm. going to be fine. Exactly. So uh, this is not a fun answer, but I do feel like if the off season ended today on paper, we're worse than we were last year. But I think we're just, I think there is a, coin toss probability that we're just as good like mm-hmm. what did we win last year 91 games 90 uh 89 we, games and i still think that this team wins. right now as is is probably an 85 to 90 win team that's what i mean the pitching's and, too strong man like the pitching's too strong if laddie rebounds at all if varsho has a little more power in his bat like yeah there's just so many things that 
feel more likely than not. The biggest concern people when forget I say that, too, Adam, about just the biggest thing that when I, when I justify that, like, Vladdy's probably going to be better than he was last year, or he's a bust, right? Um, but he's probably going to be better because I don't, I can't see him being any worse, as sad as that is to say that. I swear I mean that in a positive way. Um, but when I start making all those justifications, right, that like the season numbers from Vladdy have to be better, from Varsho have to be better. Uh, but then I go, oh, but we also got like, to be fair, the best case scenario from our pitching staff, other, excluding Alec Manoa, right? But like everybody else was healthy mm-hmm. and pitched as well as you could ever ask Chris Bassett or Jose Barrio, like all four of those guys had career years as far as I'm concerned. And it just feels like that's asking a lot. If I'm saying that Vladdy's probably going to rebound, I have to acknowledge that our pitching staff also probably probably won't be as good. Decline a little. Someone's going to have a major step back or a couple people are going to have a medium step back. (sighs) So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's end on this. Mish from Patreon says, I'm super happy to roll back to our team defense gold glove winning outfield. Last year, of course, she's talking about the signing of Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, last year was the first year in many that I didn't cringe when the ball was hit to the outfield. Very true. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fielding and pitching is, was solid. Let's get a couple big bats, wake up our dormant bats, and prove the MLB so fucking wrong for slagging us, counting us out. Great way to end it. Yep. A little positivity. It. A positive bow, right? Started positive, yeah. ended positive with a, uh, we'll call it a negative burger in the middle. <laughs> the okay, go. everybody. Thank you so much. A very happy new year to all of you. You can always get a hold of us for mailbag. We do it every single Tuesday afternoon. It's Monday morning mailbag. Reach out on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast, on Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast. And of course, drop your comments in the YouTube uh, section here. Hit that subscribe, hit that like button. Patreon, you get the bump. Patreon, also a reminder, we are back for our writer's room for Around the Horn tomorrow. Yes. So, some more updates coming there. I know we did miss a couple <laughs> MLB Mondays because they lined up on Christmas and on New Year's. I hope you yeah. forgive us, but we are back to regular scheduled programming. Here you go. All the best, everybody. Take care. You'll never guess which one of us is on vacation. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>